everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix. It's been a little while. Um, I was away recently, recorded a bunch of stuff with Vanda, but now I'm back. I'm on solo review territory again and I'm having a bit of a Kindle frenzy. I recently discovered while I was on my trip that I did have quite a lot of Kindle books that I'd bought because they were pretty good prices just to get them off the to read or to purchase list. And uh, I hadn't read any of them, so now I'm trying to do a little bit of a, a Kindle clear out, as it were. And the first book on that list is Strange Magic, which is by Sid Moore. You might remember I reviewed Witch Hunt by Sid Moore, but this is a completely separate series to that book. Uh, this series is known as the Essex Witch Museum Mystery Series uh, and centres on the main character, whose last name is Strange, uh, who inherits the Essex Witch Museum from her grandfather and then obviously goes on to solve mysteries. So that's sort of it in a nutshell. Now, Rosie Strange is, I'm assuming, the protagonist of this and the subsequent books in this series. Uh, but as a time of starting recording, I've only read half of this book. And that's because I find it quite difficult to keep track of my thoughts through a Kindle book. I obviously do use like highlights. I use like saved locations, uh, pages that way. But it is a little bit of a struggle when I can't just flip to the pages that I want to talk about. So I'm kind of recording this in sections and we'll hold off making a final judgment on the actual plot and everything of the book until I've finished it. So don't worry, by the time you get to the end of this episode I will have finished reading the book. I'm just recording as I go so as not to lose track of any of my thoughts. Similar to Witch Hunt, uh, this book is also around the 400 page mark uh, according to the Goodreads page because obviously on the Kindle it just looks like a percentage to me. Um, so I'll be talking a little bit about that. It does feel, again, like quite a long book, and unfortunately quite a lot of the issues that I had with Witch Hunt are still present in this book. I think it's maybe something about the author's style that doesn't really gel with me. Um, I'm not going to, you know, make my personal feelings out to be the be-all and end-all, uh, but there were a few other new niggles which I discovered with this book as well, although it does have some refreshing positives. So without further ado, let's get into it. Now, I picked this book up on Kindle for about 4 99 and I was hoping that it would be the start of, obviously, a new series, hopefully free of some of the things that I didn't like about the Witch Hunt book. Mainly, those were to do with, like, the protagonist and the characterisation of her, um, which kind of coloured my experience of the novel. So I was like, new protagonist, fresh start, here we go. And at the beginning of the book, we are, after a short prologue uh, with someone else, introduced to our main character, Rosie Strange, who is just inherited the Essex Witch Museum, which is kind of a, a failing concern from her grandfather Septimus, who has just been, who has just passed away. Now, she is also estranged from him, so I guess there's like a mystery going through the book as to what caused that falling out between her grandfather and her dad, uh, and what the museum had to do with it, and if it had anything to do with Rosie herself, we will find out. Now, the prologue of the book was very exciting, and I went into the book quite excited because the prologue is about a small boy who's fallen out of a tree, is in a coma, and it's about the nurse who's looking after him. And then he wakes up and weird shit starts to happen in a very exorcist kind of way. It's pretty clear that the kid is possessed by some sort of supernatural force because he kind of levitates off the bed and all this creepy shit happens. And I was like, awesome, we're off to a flying start, lots of stuff happening. Then we get into Rosie's perspective. She arrives at the museum to have her first look at it in many a year because she hasn't been there since she was a very small child. She has a little look around the museum and then we're introduced to the, I guess, curator Sam. Uh, Sam Stone, who is kind of the guy running the museum in her grandfather's absence. And initially I quite liked Sam. I kind of thought he was 
doing okay as a curator he was doing a, a really nice talk about witchcraft and the kind of accusations that got thrown around and how it destroyed people's lives and how it was mostly about prejudice I really like that he seemed really well informed kind of like he was going to be a voice for a reason in the in the upcoming plot events and initially he and Rosie seemed to get on quite well in that like little opening scene where they meet each other and she kind of saves him from being beaten up by a load of irate school children who he's kind of insulted in an effort to get them to shut up and listen to history. Unfortunately things started to go really downhill from that promising start and I started to find more and more things not to my liking or specifically annoying to me. Um, mostly it was the fact that Sam's character and the kind of banter in inverted quote marks he has with Rosie because I think it's meant to come off as like loving or hating banter like oh okay it's a love-hate relationship there's sparks of flying but he actually just comes off as being kind of sexist and mean and accusatory and she just kind of comes off as defensive and there's no real like charm or heat in that banter for me it just seemed like two people who do not like each other very much and quickly my image of him turned from being this um kind of intellectual guy who was keen to have discussions about the witch trials and the implications behind them and all that stuff into just kind of like a pompous nerd who kind of simultaneously thinks he's a feminist while also being massively sexist for example for most of the book he criticizes Rosie's driving um, that's up to where I am now they've done a lot of driving uh, he also in their first meeting with George Chin who's a character I'll get to in a moment kind of fobs Rosie off he tries to steal the interest of George for himself he makes Rosie go and make them tea she stands up for herself a little bit but his whole character just comes off feeling kind of mean and nasty underneath a sort of thin veneer of sassy banter now this was also the case with a character in the witch hunt books and here's a spoiler in case you haven't read that one yet that guy who's like I guess one of the love interest characters turns out to be one of the main villains of the book so in that book I kind of understood why I've been getting weird feelings from this guy being simultaneously kind of outwardly supposedly charming but also being a little bit caustic and a little bit mean because he was meant to be this guy with an ulterior motive now I haven't finished the book so I can't say for sure if Sam is a bad guy or not but I'm about halfway through at this point and he better be the bad guy because otherwise for some reason Rosie's panting after him in a not very dignified way and he's just a dick and it also kind of makes me feel less like I like Rosie as a character because she turns up and is initially quite strong as a character and I liked her um her general outlook on things how she was quite practical but within like a first few hours in this guy's presence she's like getting close to him and noticing the soft but manly scent of his aftershave and leaving like noticing that he's left his bedroom door to the spare bedroom open so she's like oh is this a come on and I'm just like I don't care there is no chemistry here that I'm seeing whatsoever and it just makes you look kind of desperate and weird so right off the bat that's something that's annoyed me 
aside from that, some of my other niggles with the Witch Hunt book uh, were actually kind of solved at the beginning of this because we get a nice scene, as I already mentioned, where Sam is giving a talk to a bunch of disinterested school children and he's explaining to them about the Essex witch hunts and comparing them to similar witch hunts in like Pendle in Lancashire and also obviously Salem in America. And that feels a lot more organic, a, a, a good way to bring in this history, as is the scenes in which Rosie is wandering around the museum, kind of commenting to herself how it's a bit run down, but also at the same time looking at the exhibits and taking in some history from those. So the kind of inorganic info dumps from Witch Hunt that annoyed me so much are not present at this point. Uh, it's actually fairly well woven into the story. So I'll give it props for that. It definitely seems to have fixed that issue um whether that is just because the author sort of calmed down a little bit with the research after having like put most of it in witch hunt i have no idea but it, it read a lot better to me and i was very grateful for that now the plot so far is that upon arrival at the museum rosie is shortly introduced to a man who arrives called george and he is looking for the bones of a specific witch and this is because as we learn when we meet his colleagues um, and a vicar and I think the parent of the small boy for the prologue is because it it appears that this boy Max has been possessed by the son of this executed witch who was known as Ursula Cadence and that the spirit possessing him wants to see his mum so they are reasoning that if they can find the bones they can get him out of the kid and his body is being put through a lot of strain by this possession so there's kind of a time crunch on finding these bones and freeing Max from possession before he dies. That solves another one of my problems with the Witch Hunt book in that now the main character definitely has a motivation. Even though Rosie doesn't really necessarily believe in this situation, she is going to get paid for finding the bones uh, and obviously needs that money to help out with the museum if she doesn't intend on selling it and she's kind of going backwards and forwards on that at the moment so it will be a much needed injection of funds. So yeah, she definitely has a motivation. There's definitely a clear plot from the outset. My issue with this was that it took like the first quarter of the book, which is 100 pages, um, based on like the page count from Goodreads, to literally have Rosie arrive at the museum, meet Sam, meet George, hear the story of the witch, then go to his university and have another conversation where it was then restated that they needed to find the bones and why. Which sounds like a lot, but definitely doesn't feel like a lot when you're reading those hundred pages and it's just the same conversation going on for like chapter after chapter after chapter. It's again quite slow to start and I'm feeling like maybe it could have been a little bit shorter, a little more things could have been cut out just to keep it more focused. Because now they're on the hunt for the bones it seems to be speeding up quite a lot and it feels like we've kind of gone from naught to 60 when it could have like nicely revved up if that first quarter of the book had been condensed. On the flip side, the book does make some very nice points about the witches, about prejudice. The kind of idea behind the museum is that while it also has the sensationalist appeal to bring people in, its end goal is really educating people about what the witch hunts were actually about and correcting misinformation. And there's a really nice section around the 18% mark 
where Sam kind of goes off on one and says that the witch in question, Ursula Cadence, wouldn't have thought of herself as a witch. She would have thought of herself as a Christian because, you know, that is what she was. She wasn't actually a witch, which I feel gets glossed over in a lot of things, specifically witch accounts on Instagram when they're like, we're the granddaughters of the witches you couldn't burn. And it's like none of the witches they burned were actually witches. They were just people and most probably would have been absolutely appalled by the idea of witchcraft because you know they were christians they were just unfairly targeted and persecuted which is incredibly sad and has little to nothing to do with modern paganism so it's quite gratifying to see that in the book unfortunately as well as including those like interesting takes on witchcraft and stuff which felt kind of new and different we also got the essex girl connection again um, which I'm gonna give a pass for because obviously this is the first book in a different series of the witch hunt books um, so maybe the author didn't think that someone who read witch hunt would also be reading these because it's basically just a copy paste of the same rant about how witches were scapegoated and Essex girls are also scapegoated and free thinking women are always punished I'm not saying any of those things aren't true but it felt like again we were up on our soapbox about the Essex girl stereotype without even the paper thin excuse of the main character being involved in refuting that stereotype in kind of an author self-insertion way because that's not Rosie's job. Rosie's job is to track down benefit fraud. She is from Essex but that's basically the only connection, the only reason for her to go off on this rant so I just kind of rolled my eyes and page past it because it was stuff I'd already read in a previous book. There's a section around the 20% mark where they're basically talking to George, who Sam seems to kind of idolise as being like a local history professor. And he just kind of highlighted for me how much of a character Sam was that I disliked. Because up until this point, I just thought he was just a little bit prickly because obviously he'd known Septimus, the grandfather, quite well. And no one had come down for the funeral or to do anything like that. And he was kind of taking this out on Rosie. But then at this point, he just became not just rude, but also ableist because he says, You may have caught George on TV in a number of history shows, Sam explained. At one point, there wasn't a week when he was off screen. He laughed and by way of response, the prof took his hands from his head and shrugged in a pseudo bashful way. He was loving it. But brown nosing old blokes with big egos just really wasn't my bag. Nope, not seen them. I'm not interested in history. People say it's the new rock and roll, but it isn't. Rock and roll is the new rock and roll. Sam's lip curled, his eyes opened wide. Good grief, are you on the spectrum or something? I shrugged at Sam, palms up, just plain speaking. He forced his voice into a low hiss. There's a difference between honesty and rudeness. From that, I don't really get any kind of will they, won't they, love or hate sparks flying. It just seems like he's like, oh, you're being rude. You must be autistic. And she's just like, fuck off. So I'm not putting them up on my Romeo and Juliet wall of great doomed lovers anytime soon. Some things I really liked about the story, however, were that it's sort of drawing on real life instances and real life history. For example, Ursula Cadence, uh, according to the author in like, a, I guess, the acknowledgement section at the beginning, is based on Ursula Kemp um, or Ursula Grey, who was an English cunning woman who was tried for witchcraft and then hanged in that particular area. So um, obviously they've she's taken a little bit of poetic license, changing the name and the story just a little bit. We also find out that Ursula's skeleton, which is obviously the MacGuffin that they are seeking 
during the story, uh, was bought by Cecil Williamson and used in an exhibit in the Witchcraft Museum, which was originally in the, well, they say the Isle of Wight and then the Isle of Man, but ended up in Cornwall, where I have actually visited. And there is, in fact, a skeleton that was on display at the museum, which was then taken down after some campaigning and then buried. Um, if you remember when I reviewed the Village Witch book by Cassandra Latham Jones right at the beginning of the podcast, she was actually instrumental in that happening and in reburying the body, which is pretty cool. The skeleton in the museum, however, did not belong to anyone called Ursula Cadence. It belonged to Joan Witt uh, of Bodmin, Cornwall. I think it's Witt. It's W-Y-T-T-E. So it could be an archaic spelling of white. Uh, but she was a witch known as the uh, fighting fairy woman of Bodmin and was a witch in so much as she was convicted of witchcraft and then executed. In the book, it says that Cecil Williamson bought her skeleton for £100 from the guy who dug it up in his back garden. I wasn't able to really find out the story on that. It just says that she ended up at the museum. So I guess he could have bought the skeleton. Um, but it's it's unclear. Cecil Williamson, obviously a real person. And they give a little bit of potted history on him, which seems mostly accurate from what I read of his like biography when I read the book about him a while ago. Um, and about his founding of the museum, which they are off to visit. So hopefully we'll get some information about the witchcraft museum which is just a great place in general and a place i always like to visit the idea of him buying the skeleton from someone who just dug it up that seems fictional because i think the closest i could get to like anything suggesting he bought it was to say that he acquired it from an antique dealer so unclear they also mention the cage at st oswith uh, the cage is a real build a uh, real building in essex it's called one of the most haunted buildings in britain and it was used to house people who had been accused of witchcraft someone i used to be friends with had actually spent the night there because it was available as like a tourist attraction you could like pay to just spend the night in the building uh, and they talked about it being incredibly haunted but again it was like a nice cool facet of essex history to include in the book and they definitely again done a better job of weaving these things in in more organic conversations I think it helped that you have Rosie, who doesn't know a lot about witchcraft, and also um, Sam, who does because he works at the museum and is obviously knowledgeable about other people in the museum business. Because in Witch Hunt, the main character knew everything and was explaining it to other people, so it felt a little bit forced and weird. But here we kind of have two main characters who communicate with each other, and so it gives a lot more space for that organic conversation. As they get on the case of the skeleton, they do uncover some sort of occult, spooky history that surrounds it, which appears to be entirely fictitious. Um, but basically it was dug up and then there was a car accident after it was removed involving someone who was a descendant of one of the witch hunters responsible for Ursula's execution. Um, he had a car accident and then... Uh, Sam and Rosie witness uh, a similar car accident in the same place uh, outside the haunted cage building, um, which involves some of the same things like a mysterious woman being seen in the road by the driver. Although Sam does a pretty good job of managing to explain this away using psychological phenomena, which again is a kind of a nice thing because it sort of reminded me of the Black Tapes podcast in that you have the supernatural explanations for things and then the more rational explanation for things and they're kind of warring for the reader's attention do you believe that it's supernatural occurrences or do you believe that it's just coincidence so that's quite nice at this point in proceedings i have now finished 
the book in its entirety. I have to say, a lot of the things that annoyed me in the first half did kind of peter out most of the way through. So, for instance, Sam became much less of an annoying character. I feel like at the beginning he was maybe written too antagonistic and too rude uh, for me to sort of warm to him. But by the end, I was kind of neutral towards him didn't really like him but also wasn't frothing with hatred so i'll give him his due in that respect um unfortunately things in the plot took a kind of a weird turn uh so they tracked down the bones unfortunately before they could purchase the bones that they were seeking they were then stolen it was kind of blatantly obvious that they would be stolen because they told someone who had asked them to find the bones like exactly where those bones were and then those bones got stolen and uh you know it, it, it wasn't hard to guess that who was involved in that little caper but then the sort of latter quarter of the book after that event uh just brings up a whole host of new things that were not spoken about in the beginning and it kind of felt like a lot of exposition was dumped on the reader specifically during a car journey uh that sam and rosie take to the mansion where they believe the bones to have been taken after the theft this is a really long very expositional car ride uh which also involves a monty a character from an expositional scene previous to the car ride but basically it comes out that the british forces version of like the occult ministry um set up in the second world war to either kind of combat Nazi occult forces or to, just as a sort of PR move, uh, make the Nazis worried that England had occult powers on our side because Nazis very superstitious, very involved in that occult stuff. Um, this is talked about in Cecil Williamson's book. He was like a member of this um, research group. Um, but this book takes and extrapolates on that sort of slither of truth to have that as a thing that is still in operation today and it's kind of like mi6 but for witchy shit um and so monty who is um sam's contact there briefs them about this countess who's into the occult and then he sends like a swat team in to help them out at the end and all this other stuff which i wasn't really here for i i kind of found it a little bit jarring a little bit strange if you're you know pardon the uh sort of pun on the title um that this is the direction that it had gone in uh, i would be interested in a book about uh you know that research group continuing into the present day but having it in this book where obviously rosie's still very much a skeptic and having it all brought in at the end is kind of it just felt like a lot to introduce when we were already working on a, a mystery already and then have a bunch of other stuff just thrown in at the end was very confusing so it was sort of like i started out reading a book about one mystery being solved by you know non-professional amateur sleuths um connected with the witchcraft museum and then by the end of the book it was involving this sort of men in black style um government agency and all this other stuff which wasn't necessarily compatible in my view with how the book started out um and it becomes kind of obvious at the end that we're going to lead into a series of sam and rosie dealing with these sort of witchy mysteries uh, that get brought to them as proprietor slash employee of the witchcraft museum which i guess is a cool framing device for further books in the series will i be reading those books i do not know uh although 
some of the things that annoyed me with the witch hunt book were toned down in this one which shows like obviously a, a slightly different writing style in this book series so far there were still enough new things that i didn't really like uh, i didn't really gel with the main characters that much um and i felt that the mystery kind of took an odd turn uh, towards the end also i'm not genuinely sure how i feel about the book as a whole talking about how these women were um persecuted and obviously executed as being witches but then at the end the two opposing forces are like uh, this countess lady who wants to use the bones in an arcane ritual and the good guys who are like a vicar who want to use them in a ritual to heal this boy so it kind of feels like oh magic is fine as long as it's you know christian magic and you do it in a church and whereas like self-serving magic or magic that goes to your own purposes that is performed without church permission is bad uh, which felt like an odd sort of turn for the book to take towards the end um but i would like to maybe give another one in the series a shot because i feel like this book had to establish a lot about the different characters and that maybe in the next book that there'll be less stuff that they have to pack in so it might be a little bit less expositional uh, and also the the writer will have had like this book to kind of work on the characters and what they're like so they might appeal to me a little bit more in the second book um so i'm wanting to give that one a shot and we'll hopefully stumble across it at some point in the meantime i hope you've enjoyed this review don't forget to let me know if there are any other books or films etc out there that you'd like me to look at you can do so in the comments section or over on twitter and don't forget to subscribe to the youtube version of the podcast because that's where you'll get all the videos mainly to do with like thrifting witchy stuff and also uh, unboxings of witch themed content uh, so with that in mind i'll see you in the next one bye